Hi everyone, and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast. My name is Morgan Dix, and I am your host, and this is a show about meditation, mindfulness, and health. And today, we are going to talk about the value of practice and how, as the old adage goes, practice makes perfect. Before we jump into the show, I just want to remind you all that we are part of the Podcastica Network. And I encourage you to learn more about it. You can check out Podcastica over at www.podcastica.com about meditation and the One Mind Meditation Podcast. We are proud members of this esteemed group of programs. So please check it out. All right, now back to our show. So I'm really excited about this one. It is something that's near and dear to my heart. It's the value of practice. Why does practice make perfect? And okay, of course, that's kind of cliche. Everyone knows you have to practice. It doesn't matter what the focus is. To master something, we have to practice. We have to give give ourselves to it. So with meditation, it's interesting. Like I'll, I'll be honest, like sometimes I marvel at the practice of meditation. How can such a simple, repetitive, and at times, let's be honest, boring exercise yield so much transformation? How can it completely change your worldview sometimes and bring things into relief that before were completely invisible, totally not apparent to us? It's an amazing practice. And not only that, okay, so yes, it reveals things that were hidden with it almost in plain view, let's be honest. That's part of the miracle of meditation. It's suddenly there's a wall there and suddenly it's like the wall is not there. It just, it's like a mirage and you realize, oh, there never was a wall there. And you see things, you see things about the world, you see things about yourself, you see things in particular about your relationships to the world and to the people you love and the people you fear. And yeah, that is the thing about meditation. It's all about perspective. Things come into perspective. But this is the thing. It, it is invariably transformative when you give yourself to it. So, but how? How does all of that come from this very simple, repetitive exercise, this repetitive choice to let go. So I just want, I want to ask you that. Just take a minute and think about that for yourself, from your own experience. How, how does that happen? For me, it's helpful to think about other masters of trades or masters of arts or disciplines. So for example, what happens when you train on an instrument, for example. So at first, you have to practice your scales. So in the beginning, there was Jimi Hendrix. And Jimi Hendrix, he must have played the blues scales over and over and over again. And he, like the song goes, probably played them till his fingers bled. Now, here's the thing. When we think about Jimi Hendrix... We just think about the icon. We think about the rock god sitting up on the stage at Woodstock just shredding on the uh, Star-Spangled Banner. 
Now, he didn't descend riding a bolt of lightning from Electric Ladyland and just play the Star-Spangled Banner like Jimi Hendrix. No. So before he became a master of his art, he put in the time doing thousands and thousands upon thousands of hours of scales. In the process, this alchemy happened, this magic, which isn't really magic. His fingers became facile. He learned the notes and the chords and eventually the relationships between them all. And then all those relationships became more complex and he learned how he could work with them and he learned how to make music and more complex music. And then there was this magical moment where there was just no difference between him and his instrument. It just became a very pure extension of him of his mind, of his heart, of his being, a pure form of unmediated creative self-expression. All of that started from one day when he probably picked up a broken guitar somewhere and just banged out a couple notes and then did it a little bit more and did it a little bit more and did it a little bit more. Let's take Jesus and Buddha. So both men famously sat in isolation unmoving until they had their respective insights. 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, however long Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree. So from the outside, I bet it looked pretty boring. There wasn't much going on. These guys, these dudes were just sitting there. They weren't doing anything. That's the kind of outside perspective, right? And yet that doing of nothing gave rise to insights that irrevocably changed our world and in many respects completely helped our species to evolve. Interesting. And then what about science? Okay, so it's like science involves a lot of rote and repetitive routines. You often have to do the same thing over and over again to test and then verify the results and then get other people to do the same repetitive things to test and verify, to get the same results, to corroborate your results. You know, it's not like a, a, a big mystery. It's all very deliberate and it's very transparent, but then really miraculous things emerge, discoveries that completely change our world. But really, if you think about it, at the heart of, at the heart of that, it's just, it's this quality of observation is looking. It's attending to in all of those situations until the view becomes very refined. It becomes very rarefied. And then suddenly things that you couldn't see before you can see. But that arises out of kind of a lot, an, an accumulation of relatively mundane things. But that's the thing, like some things really only appear to us in life through this kind of repetition. That's why practice is so important. Repetition is so, so important. So I want to talk about this idea when the invisible becomes visible. So meditation is a great example of that. We've just talked about it a little bit from the perspective of like art and uh, spirit and science. Like So through sitting down, 
and doing nothing but focusing on a single point over and over again, something that's usually invisible to us comes into focus. So what is that? So for one thing, it's your mind stream. Usually we're in motion all the time, moving, 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 and making decisions, and worrying, and exalting, and celebrating, and regretting, and ruminating, and wishing, and hoping, and on, and on, and on. We're often completely immersed, and you might argue, not necessarily in the pejorative sense, lost, but just, you know, often we're completely immersed and lost in the interpretive apparatus of our own minds. It's really that interpretive apparatus. It's our our primary mediating engagement with the world around us. But what happens when you stop that, which is really what meditation is all about? When you stop engaging with that interpretive, that constant interpretive apparatus, and then, then what happens when literally you just stop altogether and you step outside of it? You become like a rock, like a giant boulder in the middle of a rushing river. So suddenly you realize, and this is in the context of when we're meditating and we're doing this simple thing of just bringing our attention back and back and back to the anchor of our meditation, suddenly you realize that there's all this inner momentum It's a torrent of traffic in your mind bearing down on the really the next problem du jour. And it never stops. But usually we don't see that traffic until we become like that boulder in the middle of the stream, the middle of the river. But because we so rarely slow down, we just don't see it. We don't realize that kind of fatal error that keeps us lost. We're just riding the endless rapids of the thought stream. And because it's all that we know, most of us, that's it, most of us just don't know that there's anything even outside the thought stream, we fail to see that there's something else, a shore with solid ground in a world beyond the rapids. So then what is that world beyond the rapids? When you meditate, All of that momentum that we're talking about, it comes into sharp relief. You start to see the movement of your own mind. You start to notice patterns and triggers and whirlpools and eddies of thinking. But now you're standing apart from all that momentum. You have perspective on it. And that's that magic moment. And it's only possible through this very rote and repetitive and arguably boring, and I'm saying that, you know, from kind of just to provoke a little bit, but arguably boring process of doing the same small action over and over again, bringing your attention back to a single anchor, whether it's your breath or your body or one of your five senses. This is the equivalent of Jimmy just running his fingers up and down the fretboards again and again and again until that magic happens, until your brain and your body meld into this kind of unified force. 
And then the relationships become apparent. When that happens, something else becomes possible. New modes of expression, new parts of yourself can come into being can, and you, you can learn how to express them. And like so many artistic, spiritual, and scientific breakthroughs, surprising and totally novel things can emerge from this simple and boring exercise. Whole new worlds of perception and knowing can open out in front of you like an undiscovered valley of wildflowers. So next time you find yourself maybe hedging a little bit about getting onto the cushion, the meditation cushion, I want you to just pause for a moment and remember, yes, we stand, all of us, on the shoulders of giants. There's no doubt about it. But let's go one step further. Let's think about how did they become giants? I heard once that, and this is kind of apropos of what we're talking about, that Thomas Edison tested over 6,000 different filament fibers for his incandescent light bulb before landing on the one that would completely and forever change our world. I marvel at the guy that he just never gave up. He did it again and again and again and again and again until he found the right one and then bingo. So that's true for all of us. When you're putting in the time in meditation, just remember, you never know how it's going to change. You never know what turn your practice is going to take. All that I can do, all that you can do is put in the time on the cushion and just do it. That's really all there is to it. You put in the time and you learn how to let go and you learn how to let go again and again and over again. And none of us are free from that. We all are filled with so many attachments and so many fears. And that's why meditation is really ever new. It never gets old because what we're trying to deconstruct and what we're trying to let go of, it goes really, really deep into us, as deep as anything. Because in many ways, it is us. That's part of what we're trying to let go of in the end. And I know sometimes that can be a little bit scary and, and maybe you know it sounds a little grandiose, but from a traditional perspective, that is what meditation is all about. And in the end, when you really have that experience of really not being there, it's always completely not what you think it could be or would be or is. It's usually an extraordinary experience of connection with everything. So with that, just I encourage you to remember that big things have small beginnings. So that's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, I encourage you to head on over to our website at aboutmeditation.com and pick up some of our free resources for meditators. We have some free guided meditations and a three-part seminar. Both of those are under the title of Meditation for Life. And you can get those over aboutmeditation.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, 
why don't you consider leaving us a rating and a review over on iTunes? That is really the best way to help other meditators discover the show. You can do that over at aboutmeditation.com forward slash iTunes. And finally, let's end with a quote. And this one is from the great Tibetan teacher, Mingyar Rinpoche. And he says, Awareness in itself is always clear, capable of reflecting anything, even misconceptions about itself. <laughs>